0: Greetings, this is Bible Time with Jane, and I am Jane, your host. We are continuing our series in the book of Acts, and today we will look at Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. So far, during their first missionary journey, Paul and Martimus experienced both a wonderful acceptance by those who they spoke to about the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and also great opposition and persecution. They had retraced their steps back to Antioch to give a report to the apostles and to the church about what God had been doing among the Jews and Gentiles in all the cities they had visited. However, even though it was clear that God had been doing amazing things through the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, once again there was a challenge to the gospel of grace through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us now read verses 1 through 5 of chapter 15. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them that some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses now today i will be reading several passages of scripture as they will serve to help expand our understanding into what was taking place during this time you will notice that verse 1 indicates that there were some jewish men who came from Jerusalem who tried to convince the church leaders that Gentiles had to first become Jews and be circumcised, and then they could accept Christ and be saved. However, this is a wrong teaching based on bad theology, and aggressive action needed to be taken to combat these false teachers. Although these men were associated with the Jerusalem congregation, They were not authorized to come to Antioch to make their demands. Later in verse 5, we learn that these men were from a sect of Pharisees who believed in Jesus but who had digressed in their faith by adding law to the gospel of grace. Actually, what is interesting is that it was because of these disturbing events that Paul wrote his epistle to the Galatian church. He provides us some important insights into what took place at that time. And I would like to take the time to read some of the pertinent passages in Galatians. I think this will help us understand a little bit better how disruptive these men were at a time when the church should have been rejoicing over the salvation of Jews and Gentiles over the past year. I would also encourage you to read the entire book of Galatians as what we will learn in Acts chapter 15 will help to give perspective on the teaching in Galatians. First, let us begin with reading Galatians 2, verses 1 through 10. In chapter 1, Paul had just given an overview of his conversion and the time he spent studying the Old Testament scriptures as they relate to Jesus. And then how he came to Jerusalem met with the apostles, met Barnabas and his call to be God's chosen apostle to the Gentiles. In chapter 2, he continues his overview and defense of his ministry. Let's read that now. Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Paul writes, Then after fourteen years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of false brethren, secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me, God shows personal favoritism to no man, for those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, When they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised, also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Asaphus, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Now you will notice that Paul called these men false brethren because they were bringing a teaching that was contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. First, their teaching added rules and regulations to the gospel message of salvation. Through faith in Christ alone. This would be a works based salvation rather than salvation that is based in faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2 helps us to understand this truth, beginning with verse 4 But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Never in the Bible will you read that it is salvation and mm, something else. It is salvation through faith alone, in Christ alone. The Jews, especially the Pharisees, were experts in knowing and keeping the law. However, the law does not offer us salvation. Its role is to show us God's holy requirements, and the result is that it exposes our sins. In Romans 7, Paul explains this further. Beginning with verse 7, he writes, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law... I would not have known sin. For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came... Sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous, and good. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sin, sinful, beyond measure. Now, I've Just read a lot of scripture to you, but I want you to understand how very important this is. God gave us the law to expose our sin, and God gave us Jesus to pay the price for our sin. And now, if we believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sin and rose from the dead for our justification, then according to the scriptures we are saved and forgiven, born again, born of the Spirit, and we have become children of God. Nothing else is required, not circumcision, not good works, not the sacraments not liturgies or being a member of a certain denomination. No, our salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. In our passage in Acts, we read that there was a great dispute as a result of this false teaching once again, we can turn to Galatians chapter 2 to find out the full extent of what was taking place. Let's, let's read that, beginning with verse 11. And when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Just imagine. Not only Peter was influenced by this false teaching and, and it caused him to separate from the Gentile believers, but also Barnabas was greatly influenced. Yes, false teaching, bad doctrine, extra-biblical philosophies are always destructive to the body of Christ and to one's own soul. How easy it is to be moved away from the pure gospel of grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. It is vitally important that we know the scriptures and allow the Bible to stand on its own truth, even if it makes us comfortable. And I would add, especially if it makes us uncomfortable, the word of God is truth. We dare not add to it, or take away from it. Let's take seriously this warning from Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. It says this, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book let me add these sobering words that Paul wrote to the Galatian church. A warning that I believe every Christian should know, understand, and seriously apply whenever they listen to a sermon, a teaching, or even reading a Christian book. Paul wrote this, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are returning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Therefore, let me say this, be very careful, my friend. Study the scriptures and become familiar with them. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you and give you understanding every time you read or hear the Bible read. Follow the example of the Berean believers described in Acts 17, verse 11, which says, Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. I like how Dr. H.A. Ironside responded to these verses. He wrote this, one of the hardest things for these poor minds of ours to grasp is the freeness of God's salvation. In other words, it is so difficult for us to abide in a sense of grace, to realize that the believer in the Lord Jesus Christ is justified by faith, justified on the ground of the finished work of Christ, plus nothing else, absolutely nothing, is to be added to the propitiary work of the Lord Jesus Christ as the ground of our salvation. This is the gospel as preached in the beginning, and as preached by God's faithful servants down through the centuries. Well, let's turn back to our passage in Acts chapter 15. I'll begin now reading verses 6 through 11. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter, and when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us, and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they Paul's rebuke to Peter must have made a point because after much discussion and debate among the, church, among the church leadership, Peter is the first one to speak. He makes several significant points in his response. First, he pointed out that it was God himself who had sent Peter to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Uh, you will remember that in chapter 10 of Acts, God had very dramatically and emphatically sent Peter to Cornelius, a high-ranking officer in the Italian regiment, who had been a believer in the God of Israel and worshipped in the synagogue along with the Jews. Cornelius received the gospel message with joy, and the Bible says that he and his entire household were saved. This was the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives, and not through any other means. Second, Peter reminded them that it it is the Holy Spirit who alone knows the heart, and therefore God gave to them the gift of the Holy Spirit, just as he had given him to the believing Jews. The gift of the Holy Spirit confirmed to all that they had truly been born again. You will also note that Peter never said that they received the Holy Spirit by keeping the law, (laughs) No, it was only in that they believed God's word. Let's read from that account again, Acts chapter 10, beginning with verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? To this, Paul would later write the following to the Galatian church. Galatians chapter 3 beginning with verse 1. O foolish Galatians! Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Well, next Peter pointed out that God does not make any distinction between Jew and Gentile. All are in need of the Savior. And as John the Baptist pointed out, Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Finally, Peter pointed out that they were trying to put the yoke of the law on the shoulders of the Gentiles when the Jews, who knew the law, could not keep it. Warren Wiersbe points out that The law was indeed a yoke that burdened the Jewish nation, but that yoke has been taken away by Jesus Christ. After all, the law was given to the Jewish nation to protect them from the evils of the Gentile world and prepare them to bring the Messiah into the world. The law cannot purify the sinner's heart, impart the gift of the Holy Spirit, or give eternal life. What the law could not do, God did through His own Son. Just as it is written in Romans 8, verses 1 through 4, which reads, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." Peter concluded by making sure that they understood the full meaning of his words. He said that the same grace that saved the Gentiles through our Lord Jesus Christ will also be extended to the Jews. I like what Dr. Ironside says regarding this. He writes, Paul says in his epistle to the Romans, there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It does not make any difference what religious standing you may have. No difference as to what part of the world you were born in, whether among Christians or among the heathen. Or maybe you are a Jew. There is no difference. For all have sinned. Not one man has ever lived in this world without failure and a sin. Except, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. Another scripture says there is no difference for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. There's no difference. All are sinners. No difference. The same Savior is for everybody and through putting their trust in him all men may be justified. So let me ask you this. Have you put your trust in Him? Have you asked Jesus to be your personal Savior and Lord? Have you confessed your sin before Him, seeking His forgiveness? The Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you cannot say yes to these questions, then I urge you to call on the name of the Lord. He will hear you and answer you, forgiving your sin and making you his own dear child. My friend, call upon him today. He's waiting. He's listening. He desires for you to ask him right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for such a great salvation that you have given to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Truly, O Lord, we can't save ourselves. We were born into sin. We are guilty of sin. And try as we may, we continue to sin. Forgive us, O God, we pray. Lord, I pray that uh, these words would just Uh, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you give us understanding into the depths of these words. Give us understanding, O Lord, that that it's not by works that we are saved. We cannot add to what Jesus has done. What Jesus has done is sufficient. That is why Jesus said, it is finished. The work has been finished. Sin has been atoned for. And all we need to do is to receive it for ourselves, to believe that, that, that Jesus died for our sins, for my sin. Oh, Lord, thank you for such a great salvation. And I pray that you will continue to teach us these truths and write them upon the table of our hearts, O oh Lord. I pray that as we study your word and we read your word, that you would give to us understanding and increase our our, the depth of our understanding, O Lord, that we might know you, that we might live for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're finding these messages helpful and encouraging, or if you have a question that you would like to ask, please feel free to email me at BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. That's BibleTimeWithJane at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. There will be two other responses to this false teaching that we'll read about in this chapter, and we'll take a look at them in our next teaching. But until next time, my friend, may God continue to bless you as you study his word, that you might know him more and more.